Hey everybody, it's Jeanette. And Megan. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about Anthony Sowell, the Cleveland Strangler. But first, we have a little service announcement to make, and Jeanette is going to take that away for us. We wanted to address some negative feedback we got last week. I wanted to start off by honestly just saying thank you guys for listening. Uh, Thank you for watching and commenting and giving us feedback. We really do appreciate it. We do. And it's really awesome to have interaction with our listeners. That's pretty cool. Feedback is always welcome and it's really how we've learned and grown in the last year. But I also wanted to mention that there's like a difference between like giving someone feedback and constructive criticism versus just criticizing people and name calling. So please remember when you're commenting on ours or anybody's social media to just be courteous and kind. We appreciate your input. So if you do have something to say, please just address it in a helpful way. We have been podcasting for almost a year. Throughout that year, we have made so many adjustments. One being that we niched down to true crime. Another being that we got rid of the food of the week segment because we really do take your feedback into consideration when we're making these podcasts. Yeah, for sure. We are two happy chicks talking about true crime. And honestly, true crime is kind of a dark subject. It's when people do horrible things to other people. Yeah, and we have some pretty bubbly goofy personalities so kind of on the different spectrum so when we're talking about these stories we may have a drink you know we're allowed to do that because we're adults and we're in our own house so i just wanted to make sure and let it be known that we are not experts we have specifically told y'all we are not experts and we are not accurate so i wanted to make sure to remind you of that we get names wrong we get dates wrong we get situations wrong or we're just going off by things that we've searched on the internet and y'all know the internet is not 100% accurate so how could we be accurate if you come to this podcast don't take us too seriously and we get that we're not for everyone that's 100% for sure we're more for entertainment exactly We're not the news. Let's just all get along. Let's keep the name calling to a minimum. And if you don't like us, we completely understand. We get that. Thank you for stopping by. So I think uh, I think we're ready to move on. I think that's all I wanted to say. Anthony Sowell, the Cleveland Strangler. I did a lot of research on this because it was pretty fascinating. This information comes from um, Shy Boy Troubled Home. Anthony was born and raised in Cleveland, Ohio, and people in the neighborhood remembered the house that Anthony grew up in because it was a really nice house from what it sounds like. It was like a two-story. It had a great backyard, a nice front yard, and the neighborhood was like an upper middle class neighborhood yeah the neighborhood was nice and it was like a working class neighborhood but it slowly started to go downhill but everybody remembered anthony's house being really nice and they thought he had a pretty okay life he was being raised by a single mother Her name is Claudia, and uh, Anthony was one of seven children. Anthony's grandma also helped with the household, so she wasn't alone. She had some help, but it was still a little tough. 
Yeah, it yeah. was a little Could challenge. you imagine being a single mom with seven children? She would yeah. need help. It would be really hard. It gets even harder for her because her sister dies and her sister mm. has seven children. <gasps> so No! Yeah, so those seven children moved into the home. So now so she now, has 14 children? Mm-hmm. And she's stressed. But Bless her soul. Who, who wouldn't be... Because, you know, she's got 14 kids now to take care of. That's a lot of kids. The school describes Anthony growing up, like school personnel or whatever, describes Anthony growing up as being really polite. And he was frail and thin and shy. But he was polite and well-behaved and respectful. So they liked him. They said he wasn't really the one to start a conversation. But if somebody was to talk to him... He would carry on the conversation, but his personality at home paints a completely different picture. He was not this really nice boy. Disclosure, disclosure, this episode has a lot of not so much graphic talk, but it has a lot of things that I guess could be triggering to people or sensitive. So if you do not want to listen past this point, I would turn it off. So I don't even know where to start with this. Anthony's cousins, the seven that moved in, used to get their ass beat. Like uh, Anthony's mother, Claudia, would have whoever got in trouble, they'd have to strip down naked And she would tie them to a pole and she would beat them until they bled. And the cousins say that Anthony and like his siblings were never getting hurt like that. It was just the sister's children. But Anthony watched. And they tried to find Claudia to ask her if this story is true, but they could not find her. And um, there's a set of twins One of them, Leona Davis, she's the one that has testified in court and everything. But she said that uh, Anthony would do little fucked up shit. Like, he would steal from his grandma and his mom, and then he'd blame it on the cousins. So they would get their ass beat. Oh, so when you said he was watching, he was watching because he liked watching? Or... Uh, when I first heard it, I thought he was watching because, like, they were doing it in front of him and he was subject to it. So that's what I thought whenever I was researching, and I didn't even think about what you just said. But, yeah, maybe about he him was. actually wanting to watch it? Right. Leona testified in court whenever the trial was happening that sexual abuse was taking place in the house and that Anthony started raping her almost daily when she was 10 years old and he was 11 and then what? other gentlemen that would come into the house or like male family members they would be raping her too oh my god how awful yes yeah, she, uh she ended up leona ended up like running away she has a foundation and she helps survivors for sexual abuse so at 11 years old he's you know, already raping his cousin. So when he turns 18, he went ahead and joined the United States Marine Corps because back in the 60s and 70s, like when you were a teenage boy, 
that's what you did was you joined the military he joined the united states marine corps and from the research that i was doing he excelled he did really well there throughout his military career he got achievements and recognition i did find in one thing that he went awol for two weeks but they ended up letting it slide i don't know how true that is because that i know it's sound like, i know I it's a big like, deal when you go awol yeah. i don't feel like the military lets anything slide but i've yes. never been in the military so i don't know yeah, so, and I only saw one thing that said that, but I also didn't find too much about his military career, except for um, he was separated when he was seven years in, and when he left, he received a lot of appraisal, he got some awards and medals, like the Good Conduct Medal, um, he got a service star, and he got two letters of appreciation, and he got a couple hmm. other things. Okay, let's just say they did go easy on him. Maybe that's why, because he was such an outstanding serviceman that they just thought maybe they just let it go. Like, they went easy on him. Yeah, because he seemed like uh, he was doing his thing, being in the military. Like, that's what he was good at. But um, when Anthony returned home to Cleveland seven years later, a lot had changed. So the neighborhood was no longer the middle class neighborhood. It had gone down to the poverty line. Um, the city was basically in shambles and the crack cocaine pandemic had hit. Ooh. Uh, not only that, but like people are crying to the government like that things need help, but the government was spending irresponsibly. So it was like this area just turned into a shithole. He leaves and it's a nice place. And then seven years later, he comes back and it's. Yeah, I think you're, you're going back home to your comfort zone, and it's completely different. Yeah. Anthony starts doing all of the above. <laughs> Drinking, drugs, um, smoking crack. He was doing all kinds of crazy shit. And he would take advantage of the women in his area who were addicted to drugs. He'd lure them into his home and be on the, like, on the premise that... Oh, yeah, you want to come over to my house? We can kick it. Uh, we'll smoke crack and we'll drink and we'll have a good time. And when you're addicted to drugs, that sounds like a good deal, you know? Yeah. So he would lure these women into his freaking home. And um, one woman in 1989, she was a 30-year-old woman who went to Anthony's home to drink. And um, she said everything seemed normal until it was not. Anthony had come up behind her and started choking her. And they were smoking crack and shit. But he started choking her and then he raped her repeatedly. But he let her go. And she was pleading to him to stop because she was like three to five months pregnant. But he oh. wouldn't stop. He didn't care. But then afterwards, he was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Um, she was called to, like, testify, but she did not show up from what mm. I was finding. So he was not charged for anything. Um, mm. But he let her leave, and she promised him she would not tell the police. Um, and I guess he let her leave because he believed her. And then she told the police, but then she didn't show up to court? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She she did mm. go tell the police, but 
charges weren't pressed. And a lot of these women that are victims of Anthony's that did survive, they felt like it didn't matter if they told the police because they are addicts or they have mental health issues or they're homeless. So, yeah. yeah. And then they felt like, what are they going to say? I went to this guy's house to do drugs and then this happened to me. It still didn't deserve. They still, still didn't deserve that. Correct. Correct. They still don't deserve it. It does not matter your demographic or your status or your addiction. None of that stuff matters. None you are a human being in your mm -hmm. case, in your... Um, being like, violated. Yeah, you being violated should be taken seriously, no matter who you are. Mm -hmm. No matter who you are. I wonder if they had, like, a legitimate fear. I wonder if the court would have their back, you know? Like, I don't know. I don't know. I, I would like to think that they would because a crime was committed. Well, a lot of things also fall on the police station because the victims that go missing, their family reported them missing, but because of their status, the police didn't look. Oh, like they were ignored? Yeah, they were ignored. Oh, this is just someone living on the streets doing drugs, so not, oh, they could have just not a priority. They probably yeah, just, no. yeah, yeah. So they mm -hmm. weren't like a priority, and that's really sad. Yeah, um, it is. Anthony was later charged with attempted rape, and he served 15 years in prison. And when he was released, it was 2005. When he was being released from prison, they did a psychological evaluation on him, and they deemed that he would not rape anymore. How? What does that look like? That's, that's not a real thing. That can't be a Stupid. real thing. What year was that? 2005. God, that seems too recent to be legit. <laughs> like, I'm no psychologist or scientist, but that sounds ridiculous. Right? And I wish I could tell you that the story's over. <laughs> but right? it's not because he did, in fact, rape again. Weird. So, this is like stage two of his life. Or three. Okay. He's, out of, he's out of prison. Uh, he seemed like he was getting his life together. He had had a relationship with a woman for two to three years. He was living in a home and he was working a job in Cleveland at the Custom Rubber Products Corporation. Okay. But then things kind of started to fall apart. The employees at the Custom Rubber Products Corporation said that he was um, a good worker he was well kept and dressed nice. He was on time. Like, he was what you kind of expect to be out of an employee. Okay. Um, but one day, he starts coming in looking disheveled, and then it became like a pattern, and they found out that his girlfriend had left him. Yeah, so they're like, okay, you know, he's going through a really hard time. Yeah, like, give we him kind of under Yeah, 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 we kind of understand, and since he, kind of like in the military, good behavior or whatnot, it's a pass. Until an employee is driving through one of the neighborhoods, and he sees Anthony buying crack on the street. So then they start putting things together like, oh, you know, he's disheveled, he comes in late, he smells like shit, he's 
smoking crack. Not a good idea, Anthony. The president of the company was like, hey, you can't really represent us. We don't like this. You're you're not the ideal employee anymore. So then he loses his job. Uh-oh. And all of this starts happening in 2007. And 2007 is like the year that just wrecked his life. It all came crashing down. Okay. He's let go. His girlfriend dumps him. People that live near his home are starting to smell this really disgusting smell. Like they were complaining to city council that something's going on and that it smells like death. And no. and Anthony. Anthony. What are but, you doing, dude? Oh but my God. Anthony. Anthony was well liked by the people in the neighborhood. They said they knew he was a crackhead, but he wasn't like your typical crackhead. He still had house parties. He would have barbecues. They would have um, little functions. Not a typical um, crackhead. A nice crackhead. Yeah, yeah. So Anthony was hosting like cookouts and barbecues and people would come over and listen to music and drink malt liquor and um, I think they would smoke crack too. And then he would have games happening like chess and poker and I guess his house was like the hangout house. So when people started Right. So when people started questioning the stench, he said, oh, that's coming from the sausage shop right by my house. And there just so happened to be a sausage shop. I'm sorry. I'm so immature. Sausage (laughs) shop. Stop being disrespectful. (laughs) There was like this sausage place right by Anthony's house. So interesting. That's what he was blaming it on. And these people believed him. Um, I think it's rude. Like, if you're the owner of the sausage shop, that's offensive. Because here you are trying to sell your sausages. And, I mean, you're going to get a bad reputation. Because people are going to think that your sausage shop smells disgusting. And you're going to lose customers. And here's this poor sausage shop owner. (gasps) I need to say it. Nobody wants a stinky sausage? You said it! (laughs) Nobody wants a stinky sausage. (laughs) Nobody. All right, I'm sorry. I'm done with the sausage jokes. You're good. So, like, the sausage guy is like, what the fuck? And I'm pretty sure he was, like, trying to figure out where the smell was coming from. Because everybody was like, it's the sausage place. Yeah, and the sausage guy's like, it's not me. It's not me. It's And they're like, if it's not you, then who is it, sausage guy? And it's this mystery. Yeah, and during the time that the, the disgusting, stinky smells are being put out into the neighborhood, women are going missing left and right. This kind of seems too obvious. So, like, let's not investigate it, right? Because that would be crazy. I feel like not enough people played Clue when they were a kid to put the pieces together. Well, Jeanette, he was really nice, and he hosted the block parties. So, this is where we get into more messed up stuff. Vanessa Gay is one of Anthony's victims. Vanessa met Anthony one night when she was trying to get high. 
And he was telling her, like, that it's his birthday and how nobody wants to hang out with him and how he's lonely. And she's like, well, we can hang out, you know. So she goes to hang out with him and they were going back to his house to go get high. She said, because she is one of the victims that got away and she testified. And this is through her testimony of the stuff that I'm saying. But she said that he seemed like... A nice guy he was normal she didn't see anything wrong with him or like no red flags or uh, uncomfortability it helped that people in the neighborhood like knew him and liked him so she right. didn't feel like she was in danger is okay. basically what I'm trying to get from this but when they got to his house she said that it smelled so bad like this house smelled so bad but she didn't say anything to him about it because you know that's rude and they go to sit down to smoke and when he lit up the pipe he inhaled it and then he punched her in the face what just like out of nowhere but anthony with his drug and alcohol problems had like violent rage but he punched her in the face and he's like demanding that she takes off all of her clothes and that if she does not comply with him, like he's going to kill her. And he was telling her all this horrible stuff that he was going to do to her. And um, he repeatedly raped and beat her until the following morning. <gasps> it was like an ongoing thing all night. Like this poor girl, really, really, really awful stuff that he was doing to her. And then that morning, he just laid down next to her and acted as if nothing happened. Like, oh, you know, I'm so sorry. It was, I'm going through a lot right now. So you can understand, you know, how this would be really hard. And like, he's apologizing to her. And she's just up. like, yeah. So her instincts kick in. And she's like, oh, I totally understand. I understand. Like, yeah, I get it. I totally get your frustrations and life is hard. He was like, you don't like telling her that she doesn't deserve all the stuff that he did to her. But that's one thing he was accurate about. She'd asked to use the bathroom and he let her go to the bathroom. And when she was on her way to the bathroom, she saw in another room that there was a dead woman laying there. Uh-uh. Yeah. There is a dead woman laying there, and she started freaking out. And she started thinking, like, in her head, is this real? Is this real? Like, am I crazy? Am I hallucinating? Like, because all of this stuff is so f crazy. But she still plays it off. She goes to the bathroom. She gets herself together. She goes back to him, and she's being really nice and really understanding, and she told him, like, that she wouldn't go to the cops or anything, and that she's just not used to having sex that rough, and it was her way of being like, oh, no, no, it's fine, you know? It's not you. It's me. Yeah, yeah. Anthony walked her to the door and let her go. Oh, thank God. But... She didn't say anything immediately to the police because she too felt like, who is going to believe me? I can't even imagine what she was going through, so. No, no, no. No judgment there. 
No judgment. It wasn't until LaTundra Billups came over to Anthony's house in September of 2009 for a couple of drinks. She said that while they were drinking, Anthony became furious. And she didn't know why. Like, it just, it's like it just switches or whatever. But he mm. became furious. And he started hitting hitting her, choking her, raping her um, until she passed out. Like, oh she literally passed out. She got away. He let her go, too. She went to the police. She went to the police right away. And she showed up with police to Anthony's house because she told them, like, everything. And right. that Good for when, her. Yeah. And that's when the discovery was found. Anthony was not home when the police showed up, but... Police just made their way in, and this is what was found when they got there. Two women were in shallow graves in his basement. Mm. Four women were found on the third floor. They were, like, in different crawl space areas. Three more women were found buried in his backyard, and they found remains for a fourth one. And then they found a human skull inside a bucket in his house. I, so, I've been counting. That's 11 victims that on is his 11, property? That is 11 victims on his property. Um, and most of his victims were killed by manual strangulation. And they were still gagged and bound. And their bodies were decomposing. He oh was living God. in a house with decomposing bodies all throughout the floors. And that's where yeah. the stench was coming from. Anthony was found and arrested two days after the discovery. They were able to find him. He was charged with 11 counts of aggravated murder, 74 counts of rape, kidnapping, tampering with evidence, and abuse of a corpse. So he had all these freaking charges. And he was trying to uh, plea for the insanity plea, but later dropped it down to not guilty. You have 11 dead bodies found in your house, and you're going to say it's not you? You're not guilty? That's not you? Not buying it, buddy. What? Not what? Get out of this here. This reminds me of that clown killer, uh, John, John Wayne, Gacy. Wayne Gacy. Yes, he had like 27 plus people buried under his house. Oh my God. So, it makes me sad that these women didn't feel like they could get justice. Right, and, like they felt like they couldn't come forward and that they, yeah. in a way, I guess... I don't know if they felt like they deserved it, but they didn't. No. It's really sad. It's really awful. And for the people that did report on it and their cases weren't taken seriously or even investigated at all, that's super wrong, too. Crazy. So, that's a crazy story. I've never heard this story before. It's really nuts. Um, yeah. Anthony's trial was supposed to start June 2nd of 2010. But his legal team in defense pushed it back until June 6, 2011. They were trying to sort through evidence and prepare for their case. 
if they're sorting through evidence so hard for a year, they're working so hard to try and figure out how to get him off the hook. But they're like, you're, this evidence is too overwhelming. I'm sorry, yeah. this isn't going to work. People came up and testified. Vanessa Gay testified. Good for her. Um, Anthony's cousin Leona, she testified. And I'm pretty sure a few other people did as well. The jury found Anthony guilty of everything except for two counts brought against him. And it was unanimous to sentence him to death. Okay. Okay, we'll take it. I want to know the two counts. Like, what did they not? Don't know? I have no idea. I mean, at that point, might as well just give him all, right? But everyone did agree that he should die. So... Oh, he got the death penalty? Yeah. Whenever I was watching the trial... Right when they give him the verdict, he starts crying like he's so sad and disappointed. You weren't crying and disappointing when you took the 11 women's lives and you weren't crying and disappointed whenever you abused the other women that got away. So I'm glad he received that, but he never made it to his death sentence. Why? Did he just die naturally in jail? Yeah, he ended up um, getting a terminal illness. I also couldn't find out what the illness was because I was pretty curious Mm. to know. He had his terminal illness. I think he only made it to his early 60s. And he died February 8th in Franklin Memorial receiving end-of-life care. And his victims, I did want to go over the list real fast, the names of his victims. There is 11 of them that we know of and that the police know of. Uh, Crystal Dozier, 38. Tashana Culver, 33. LaShonda Long, 24. Tony Carmichael, 53. Michelle Mason, 45. Kim Smith, 44. Nancy Cobbs, 44. Amelda Hunter, 47. Uh, Janice Webb, 48. Talisha Fortson, 31. And Diane Turner, 48. Those are his victims. But I thought this case was wild. I had never heard of it. Well, that was another dark, terrible, awful story. Yes, it was. We also hope you had a wonderful holiday, spending time with your friends, family, and loved ones. We'll see you next week. Yeah. Bye. Love you. Bye.